Welcome to Politics and Bros. This is the podcast where two guys who spent their careers on the inside of federal politics and government are now on the outside and only have each other to talk about how things have been going. Today is June 24th, 2021, and this is episode 41. I'm your co-host Pete, and with me as always is my good friend Howell. Hey, buddy. Episode 41, I was wondering. Yeah, 41. Um, yeah, we're doing all right. Uh, we were crazy? just catching up because we haven't spoken in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we thought it'd be fun to catch up on air. No, just kidding. But um, <laughs> ha, so my kids left yesterday um, for Utah. So I'm home alone with my wife. It's it's kind of strange. Uh, Are you guys just walking around, you know, in in the nude, you know, just <laughs> watching movies. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's just kind of strange. Kind of, you know, I, I kind of look around. I'm like, what do I do now? How long are so, they gone for? Um, they're gone for a week, and then we'll go out go there yeah. next week. Um, but I played some golf this morning. Um, been watching some sports, mm-hmm. you know, just like it's weird. To, it's like what did you kind of try to remember what I did before I had kids mm-hmm. um, so I can get some inspiration for things to do. But Is it as glorious as I'm dreaming it is in my head? <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of nice, but I'm, I imagine by – by a couple days from now, I'll be like, all right, I could see them again. But what's up with you? Um, very little. Actually, this was a pretty busy weekend because my mom was in town for four days, five days, four days, five days, something like that. And then um, James, my youngest, turned two on Monday. So that was nice. We had a little party for him on... Happy birthday. Happy birthday, James. We had a little party for him on Monday, or sorry, on Sunday morning. We did a brunch and uh, my... Obviously, my mom was there, and then Morris family came over as well, and we did uh, cupcakes and eggs and all that fun stuff. Um, and uh, it was good. All the cousins played together, and James had a great time on his birthday. And he's getting used to saying that he's two instead of one. That's nice. Is he into the why phase yet? Does he ask everything why? No, that's that's Teddy. That's he's oh, Teddy he asks, in the why phase. Oh my god, he oh, he asks why about, and it's not because he's just asking why for the sake of asking why. He legitimately wants to know, like right. nuances of everything, and it is so annoying. And I would do anything to get him to stop it. Shut up, kid. <laughs> I mean, I love how his mind works. I love that he really wants to understand, you know, the detail of everything and every argument or every statement or every whatever he's doing. Um, but it is very. I, I feel like every kid goes through that phase, so you've only got three more of those phases to go through. Oh my god! Um, so you better steal yourself for much more of those questions. I'm gonna be so tired. Uh, <laughs> um. So tired. Oh, so I wanted to tell you before we jump in that mm-hmm. I got a little fan feedback. Oh, um, oh, do tell. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, and I think from moving from uh, this this pod forward there's a request for a um segment the marjorie taylor green crazy of the week um <laughs> did this come from mayo <laughs> no it did not come from mayo oh wow friend of the pod mayo uh it came from someone else mm. and so i went looking and it didn't take me long to find something to raise this week but i don't know if you saw um lauren bobert another pod favorite mm-hmm. uh introduced a measure to censure Biden. I did see um, that. Yep. You did. You I did saw that she that. did. I mean, I saw that she did that. Yeah. And evidently it was just a, a cacophony of crazy being spouted at the, um, at the press presser, but uh, MTG raised it, uh, raised the ante by saying censure, he should be impeached. So you oh, know, great. she's already said that before, but she took Lauren Boebert and, uh, her crazy and and raised it. She um, said, "Hold my beer," and then she exactly, went exactly. So, um, I'm sure it won't be hard to find something she did crazy every time we podcast. But um, that will be that's your first first edition of the Marjorie Taylor Green. Um, I can't even tell you what she said he should be impeached for, but it doesn't even matter because matter. I, I guess because he's a Democrat and he's a child sex trafficker, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, but he ate yeah. it. He ate so, a comet, a comet pizza in Northwest yeah, DC. Yes. Right. So, uh, anyway, we'll see if that that uh, that little new segment sticks. But that's for you, Marianne. 
Now you know who you, you know who you are. Did nice. you ever meet Marianne, my neighbor in uh, DC? Maybe she lived know. right next to us. And yeah. but thank you, Marianne. Thank you for the feedback, yeah. and we'll do our yes, best to accommodate. Yes, she's been listening. Nice. She had some harsh words for you, Pete. I bet she did. I bet she thinks I'm like. <laughs> I bet she thinks I'm a Nazi. Um. Well, maybe we'll have her on the podcast. I think we should. Yeah. yeah. I welcome um, that. Yeah. So anyway, um, Marianne, that was for you. Uh, but we initially had an outline for today, didn't we? But we did. kind of got overtaken by events this afternoon mm-hmm. when smoking Joe Biden came out and said, we have a deal. So um, oh, my kids are calling me. Of course they are. Um, you made a pause? No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> Did they just get to Utah or they something? To probably FaceTime and say goodnight. Uh, no, they left yesterday. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. So, uh, you know, initially I had in the outline, you know, we were going to do an infrastructure update. And mm-hmm. like, Will they, won't they? Because when I was writing it, it was when Biden was calling off the talks with um, Capito. And yeah, it wasn't looking good. No, it was not looking good. And, and they, you know, Biden's only red line was not to do anything. Um, and, uh, he had just started the talks with the bipartisan group, which kind of felt, it didn't feel like it had much behind it. Um, and so, you know, my question was, you know, if this doesn't go anywhere, is Biden going to, going to just go full hog on the, the reconciliation path to try to pass, you know, 2 trillion plus or whatever mansion would go for, Mm -hmm. but it seems we have a deal. Well, we'll, s- we'll yeah. see if uh, <clears throat> he can keep uh, hit the progressive arm at bay long enough to to pass this part- the, the bipartisan bill. Because there is, isn't there still a, de- a, a, I guess, a progressive bill running in tandem with it? Yeah, so we were texting about this earlier, yeah. and so we talked about it here. So my understanding is, is that, and I could be wrong, that what, that, it's not a comprehensive bill that's going in tandem. It's like the progressive goodies. Yeah, all the human infrastructure stuff, like child care and all that stuff. And Biden has said he won't sign the bipartisan bill without the... I mean, who knows if that's just a negotiating tactic. I feel like he would. Like we've talked about on this podcast, um, you know, take what you can get rather than having to do everything... Whole hog, yeah, uh, or yeah, but and I feel like Biden has made it a point that the process is important to him, mm-hmm. and that you know he he knows how this game is run, and that you know he may just be saying that. And if a, I can't imagine if a bill got to his desk and Mansion didn't agree to the some of the 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 progressive wish list and that never got through that he wouldn't sign that yeah um because again he can always try to tweak that and bring it back um but you were saying you didn't necessarily like that strategy it's not that i don't like it i mean i think it's silly um quite frankly i mean this is this is something that um infrastructure is something that Trump talked about basically all four years is something that he could get done with Democrats. <laughs> we're still and, waiting, on and we're plan. still waiting for that. Just like the, his healthcare reform bill. Um, so why not, you know, show up Trump by actually getting it done um, and declare victory? But I mean, it doesn't change the fact that there's been a lot of reports that the progressive arm of the party, at least in the House, like um, like Representative Jones and AOC and Jayapal and and all those folks are upset because they feel like the Biden administration is sort of. I don't know if they've hit a plateau or they've hit something like they're not just moving along in that aggressive fashion, the way they were in the first hundred or hundred or so days of the administration, but that's not realistic either. You can't right. Go... The, rea- the realities of governing are right. taking hold. Right. And of course, progressives and even some and progressives and even conservatives at times, or, you know, maybe not even conservatives, but Trumpians don't, they don't, you know, they don't get that, that nuance of, uh, of governing. Um, so, I feel like you take what you you take the deal you you declare victory, um, especially if it's everything that you know that has been talked about in what is actually infrastructure and not these human infrastructure kind of projects that that some of those progressive folks want. 
Um, Are you texting your kids? Sorry. Yes, I'm telling them to call their mother, not me. Nice. Uh, it just shows um, I love you more. Well, I think they just know my my phone number. <laughs> um, <laughs> so actually, they know Melissa's phone number as well. So mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about the the human infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what they've included in this is. It's almost a trillion dollars in spending. Um, what is it like? Six hundred million billion is new money, new spending. Yeah, um, like just under six hundred. Like it's like. And they say it's all going to come from like increased IRS powers. Is that how I understand it? I, I I'm not. I don't know. I just know. I don't know the the answer to that. I just know that That's the Republicans. Plan, at least they the Republicans have basically said that the 2017 corporate tax cut is off limits. Yeah. Whereas Democrats, what did they say was off limits? Um, uh, uh, like the gas tax or... Oh, okay. Um, what do they call it? Like fees or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, fees and like, stuff. Yeah. Um, so $66 billion in rail projects and mm-hmm. $49 billion for public transit. Okay. I, li- I like that. Yep. Uh, $109 billion in road and bridge projects. We know that's definitely needed. Yep. Um, you know... I think a I think a bridge just collapsed in in the DC area this weekend. Oh, for real? Today, yeah. Um, Two hundred one billion in water, sewer, power, and environmental remediation projects. Mm-hmm. Sixty five billion for broadband infrastructure. I you know I think um, there were some debates on whether or not that should be included. Uh, I definitely feel like for America to compete with other world powers. You know, we need to be able to push broadband mm-hmm. out to more rural areas. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm happy to see that included. Uh, and then a $47 billion down payment on resilient pro- resilience projects, mm-hmm. um, which will be adjust, to adjust, address uh, challenges related to climate change. Um, was there something on? Wasn't there something on the grid, like grid, um, not necessarily security, but investment in the electrical grids? Uh, maybe I, I didn't don't see it in this list. I'm reading. It's very um, new, and I haven't found it either. But I mean, I I don't know. I have to say that, like, uh, oh, I think this is a great sign. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we're a long way away, right? Like. But I just can't see the Democratic caucus turning this down at this point. And if they have yeah. 10 Republicans to get it out of, um, to invoke cloture, then, uh, you know, I think it may be, it may change a bit, but I think they'll probably get it done. I don't know. What do you think? And, I, and if so, it's, it's a great, I think a huge moment to show a huge feather in the Biden administration to say that this is what we promised we could do um, and, and kind of show that government can function for the people again and put people to work and it'll be a, a big win for them. I mean, if they've got, if they can hold on to the group of senators, the Republican senators who are part of the negotiations, I think it's got, I think it's, it'll, it'll pass out of the Senate if they can get the votes. Mm-hmm. I'm not as confident that the that the House will pass it. I think mm-hmm. I think there's enough of those uh, enough people who will on the right who will scream something about it, whether it's you know socialism or something. They're going to scream. They're going to find a reason not to support it, any reason at all. Um, and then same thing on the on the extreme left. They're gonna they're not going to have their human infrastructure stuff, or they won't be able to add it in. Or they're going to pass their the Dems over there, and Pelosi will pass a Democratic only bill that has all those human infrastructure stuff, and then it's going to go to conference. If it goes to conference committee, it'll just die there because they'll never be able mm-hmm. to bridge the gap between those two bills. So, I'm I'm I, I'm optimistic it will pass out of the Senate. I don't I don't know how I feel about it getting out of the House. Yeah, uh, I sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Uh my computer is like locking up. So You did you did just your your image just freezed or froze a second ago, but um So I don't you know. Like, I you I look just, like a pirate by the way in that t-shirt. Thank you. 
that's the look I'm going for. I've got a eye patch that I'm going to put on here shortly. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, why won't this close? Um, so I don't know. I am very hopeful that, like, I I feel like there's not a lot to hate in this. I mean, obviously, um, the devil's in the details, mm-hmm. but big big picture um america desperately desperately needs uh, investment in infrastructure i mean the bridges and stuff things i'm i mean that's one that i've seen multiple studies that say you know there's a high percentage of bridges that are basically not fit to be used at this point um and it will put people to work and it's proof that you know, despite the acrimony in the country, that there's a there are a set of adults who can work together, and and govern. And you know, despite ideology, that's what they've been sent to Washington to do mm-hmm. is to figure out their what their common interests are and what they can live with. Um, and Biden made a point of saying nobody got everything they wanted, right. and that is how you govern. You, you yep. make compromises and um, you try to represent the most number of people and and they did it or they've done it. And so I am I am very hopeful that despite, you know, uh, in trans, well, not intransigence, but despite initial sort of, despite claims from like the Republicans that, you know, we're, we want to make sure Biden doesn't get anything done that, uh, some of them stepped up to maybe even buck their, the, the party, um, message and, and tried to get something done. So, you know, kudos to those involved that, that got this, got it this far. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Um, but I guess we'll follow this as it, um, makes its way as it's written and then gets brought up in committee. Which committee would, would handle this? Uh, Ooh, that's a really good question. Actually. Is it commerce, science and transportation? Oh, well, yeah, it would be Senate um, commerce. What's, uh, it's transportation, right? Cause I mean, mm-hmm. Buttigieg was talking about, he was on the stump for it. Yeah, um, I think it's probably commerce. So. It might actually go to multiple committees, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, depending on, we'll be here for you yeah. guys to break it down. Yeah, I think it's probably. I think it's probably gonna be Senate Commerce. Um. Cool. Well, I mean, I think. I mean, you would say I would. I'm putting words in your mouth, but I. Do you feel the same way that it's a good, good news story for once? Yeah, I think it's a good news story. I mean, yeah, the infrastructure is, is an issue. And I think even Republicans were on board with that, like I said, during the Trump administration. And he never actually put anything forward and didn't make a serious case for it. Although um, there were a lot of Republicans who used it as a talking point, like, oh, we could, we can work together in infrastructure, and then nothing, nothing ever happened. So um, I like it. Well, I, like I, it a lot. I think one of the things we talked about even before we came on air was that the spirit of bipartisanship and you, I think, no, you wanted to raise what's what you heard about uh, Senator Scott and Senator Booker. Um, yeah. Getting close to something. Getting, getting close to a police reform bill. Um, so that's nice. Um, I think uh, the reports were that they've agreed on a lot of big issues, but there's still several more to deal with. Um, I think that one of the big sticking point, like they, they agreed on ending uh, choke holds to actually having some standards on no knock warrants um, but I think there were some questions about, uh, whether, how to punish police officers. Um, you know, I think they agreed on a database to report, uh, uh, not violent. I forget how they, how they phrased it, but, um, use of force by police. There you go. A federal database on use of force by police, um, that sort of thing. But it's, it's good to see that, uh, that Tim Scott and, and Cory Booker have been in a room and hammering out these things. And it looks like there could be another, another good bill coming out of the Senate that can be supported by a bipartisan uh, group of senators. A question for you is, is 
when Senator Scott goes in that room, mm-hmm. is is the expectation that he's in there representing in good faith on the Republicans and that he can bring along, you know, enough to get it through the Senate? Um, or is it just to sh- be, be leaders and say, um, this is what we as two African-American males who, who you know, know or it's very a, a subject very close, near and dear to our heart. Um, this is how we think this bill should be crafted. You guys come along and join us. See, that's the thing. I'm not sure if he was, if he had the blessing of Mitch McConnell to go in there and, mm-hmm. and make those negotiations. I don't even think the people, the bipartisan group of centers in the right. infrastructure bill had McConnell's blessing. Either. I mean, McConnell didn't say anything bad. He didn't, you know, shit all over the compromise. Um, he, he just didn't say a whole lot about it. So, um, yeah, I don't know if he had the, the backing of McConnell to go in there and do that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, I don't think that matters right now. I think what matters is that if, if Tim Scott's going to put a bill out there, he's going to go and he believes in it enough. And he, he, he thinks that it's going to be a good product. I'm sure he's going to go and do the, uh, the hard work of, of getting the votes needed to support it. Whipping. Yeah. Whipping the votes. Um, okay. Well, another thing to follow, maybe yeah. our dream of, of watching a functional Congress, uh, be, well, we're only talking about a functional Senate at this point. Sure. <laughs> we're not, we're well, not talking true. about a functional house yet, but that's true. We'll see. The house has its own problems. Yeah. Um, speaking of the house, uh, we were going to talk a little bit about what has already passed the house, mm-hmm. HR one, Mm-hmm. And then the Senate bill itself, which was not voted out of cloture, um, was filibustered. So I know you said you'd been doing some research on on the Democratic bill that passed the House. Um, uh, it's you know some people are portraying this as. This, if we don't pass this, our democracy is going to die. I imagine you think that's uh, hyperbole, mm-hmm. and others are saying, um, you know, there's other ways we can protect some of these voting rights without doing this this comprehensive bill that that the Democrats are putting forth. Um, what 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 is your read on the situation at the moment? Um. Well, it's it's. I mean, it's obviously it's dead for now because it was it was filibustered in the Senate on that fifty fifty vote. Um, I I don't know. I think like I think this is just a federal response to what Republicans have already been doing in the states. They're trying to. It's based. It's predicated on the on on the notion that something went wrong with our elections and it needs to be fixed. And the only difference is, is Republicans are doing it at the state level where a lot of these issues are, should be addressed. If there are issues, they should be addressed at the state level since states are supposed to be running their own campaign or running their own elections. And the Democrats are looking for the federal fix to try and make everybody come up to their, their own threshold, their own floor, I guess. Um, but in my opinion, well, I think it's, isn't it a, more a response to protect against what the Republicans are trying to do at the state level. I, but is it, is that's a question I have for you is cause yeah. I know McConnell called this a democratic power grab, which well, I, I, to me, I, I want to discuss in a little bit, but what do you think? I mean, I, I mean, I honestly, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's not a power grab in the way that maybe McConnell me- means it. I, I think of it as a power grab in that, there is a there's certainly a constitutional question here that is going to probably be litigated if this were to pass whether or not this bill has the constitutional authority to assert itself over the way that it wants to over state elections i don't everything that i've read and i think even the new york times the the legal writer for the new york times whose name i'm blanking on right now he wrote out several constitutional questions not he didn't necessarily pontificate on whether or not uh, on how they would go, but there are certainly issues here that would have to be litigated by the courts on whether or not that this bill would actually have legal authority to change state uh, laws and regulations concerning elections. Um, so I do kind of I see the point of calling it a power grab. Again, I think that's just that's politics. That's every every election cycle, Democrats scream about you know disenfranchised voters and Republicans scream about voter fraud. I mean, it's just what they do. 
And I kind of feel like this bill, the Repu- the Republican bills that have been coming out in the last in the states in the last several months have been a response to the big lie and what happened in the 2020 election. I feel like this this bill, the For the People Act, is more of a response to what happened in 2016, because there's a lot of there's a lot of extraneous stuff in here talking about how social media companies need to log political ads and keep track of you know traffic and and mandating that. And then there's also weird stuff like. There has to, it, it wants to create a code of ethics for the U.S. Supreme Court. Like, how do, what does that have to do with voting rights? Um, there's a lot in here that doesn't necessarily have to do with voting rights. Um, and it's more of just BS, basically, like more, you know, stuff, I guess, to just say that it's 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 doing good, but it's not really doing I, anything to what they say it's going to do. I just wish the argument against it wasn't essentially... This will allow well, this will make sure more people vote, which means Republicans will lose because we don't have ideas to win over enough voters, which is essentially what McConnell sounded like he was saying or a conceding. Um, I certainly have read, you know, several articles that say it's a little bit of an overreach, it may not be constitutional, um, and that there even the John Lewis Voting Act would be a better place to start which I don't know um, the details there, but I think it's less uh, less comprehensive, less maybe um, wish listy, and more focused on ensuring uh, kind of those underrepresented are uh, afforded times and, and methods to vote equally. Um, yeah. The other thing too, I mean, I mean, I, I do think, like I said, it's politics when you've had McConnell talking about power grab. But at the end of the day, is it is it the federal government's or at least the the legislative federal legislative branch's job to force states to have early voting? Is it their job to mandate uh, campaign finance rules at the state level? Is it, you know, up to them to determine how? Is it up to the federal government to determine how states run their uh, redistricting? Uh, mm-hmm. processes. I mean, I would say to those three things, no, it's not their damn business. The states are supposed to do that. That is what is that is what is uh, expected of them. Um, so in that, I can see, I can, I can see the argument that it's a power grab. Um, but like I said, that's a political, that's a political term to. But it wouldn't necessarily be a Democrat power grab. It would just be a federal power grab. Right, but this is a Democrat yeah. bill, so. No, yeah, but I mean, essentially, it wouldn't guarantee future Democrat success. Is essentially how I read. Is how I read when he says a power grab is that they're you know basically, um, uh, you know, stacking the deck for themselves in the future. When in reality, I think you know, it's probably just more of a big government power grab, right? Like. Um, and I agree with you. I don't know. Uh, you know, I think you could certainly make the argument that for federal elections, there needs to be a set of standards for someone to be, um, elected into a federal system. But at the same time, um, uh, you know, every state has been doing this for hundreds of years without the, without, you know, kind of super detailed ways to to make it happen but then at the same time you also see what happens in the in the 2020 election when you don't have clear definitions of what happens when um and how an election gets uh certified and who can do the certification and what um and I'm not saying that's the reason to do that but when you see what Republicans have been doing at the state level, you can understand why there might be um, uh, a desire to implement some standards. Well, in my opinion, 2020 is not a, is not an appropriate benchmark because it was, there were so many new rules put into place through executive order because of a pandemic COVID and we had never experienced that before. You know, but conversely, we had the highest voter turnout in history uh, in 2020. So, but again, well, not the highest, have, but the most 
mass n- or gross numbers, not like percentage sure. turnout. Oh yes, yeah. But then you have, but then you think about too, like even in Michigan, which was one of those you know states that Trump swore up and down that he won, the Republican-controlled Senate Oversight Committee this past week ruled that there was nothing wrong with their election, that it was handled perfectly, and that Trump did not win. Um, so the states, the, you know, cool. I think cooler heads are prevailing. You know, Arizona, I do believe, is sort not of in Arizona. Anomaly. Well, not in Arizona, but that's that's a Pennsylvania totally... sounds to be go seems to be going uh, poorly as well. Well, They're I mean, Arizona an audit. I think Arizona that's certainly that's all politically motivated. That's all done by the party, and I'm sure you know the Republican chairman of the Senate Oversight Committee in Michigan is going to you know get censured by the party or something's going to happen like that. But he was very public about it. He even said that the Attorney General, who is a progressive Democrat, should investigate people who spread lies about the 2020 election. Um, I mean, that was pretty, that's a pretty strong statement. So there are cooler heads are prevailing here. Um, and I do think that uh, while the timing is crap, the Republican legislatures who have introduced and or passed uh, election reform bills in 2021 already, I think we're doing that to codify certain things that were done in 2021, or sorry, in 2020, but also to address what they saw were problems with some of these executive orders as well. Um, I'm not well, going to say they, they were weren't like, trying. I'm not saying they weren't trying to play some level of political games, but at the end of the day, they were there. It was a 2020 was not a proper benchmark for what how elections should go because it was the first time ever during a pandemic, mostly done by executive order. And you know, if they hadn't, if the Republicans hadn't, or if state legislatures hadn't uh, introduced and passed legislation. All of those executive orders, all those new things would have gone away en masse. But at least in the case of Georgia, some of it was preserved. Some of it was codified. Obviously, some of it was pulled back from what it was in 2020. But um, it's just it's well, enormously complicated, in my opinion. And I then, think the other thing you're seeing is is a shift from the voting. The concern is less the voting access and more now the ability to – for. Uh, a political body to intervene, um, which is like you said, like re- removing um, the administration and overseeing of elections in Georgia from the Secretary of State's uh, duty, and that seems to be hap. It seems to be um, that's more of the concern now, and I don't even know how you would address that at a federal level um, anyway. And plus, Mansion said he's a no, so it's dead anyway, as you said for the time being. Well, I mean, like I said, I kind of feel like, generally speaking, this this bill is the the this, the the federal bill is is no different than what the Republicans have been doing, except they're trying to address the problems from twenty sixteen. Generally speaking, um, and Republicans are trying to address problems that they thought they saw in twenty twenty. But it's the same thing. It's still just this massive, you know, pendulum being swung one way versus the other. Um. But like I said, there's a lot of constitutional issues, a lot of questions, I should say, that are going to have to be litigated with this with this bill if it were to ever pass and be signed into law. Um, and I don't think it's going to do anything in terms of voting access at the end of the day. I don't think, you know, we discussed this before that, you know, access has not really been, you know, a problem. And even Raphael Warnock and Stacey Abrams have agreed that voter ID laws are, are probably fine. Um, well... And then Manchin threw out a compromise that uh, I don't remember the details, but it wasn't as sweeping as as the voting rights or what what's for the people act. Um, and McConnell immediately said, "We're not supporting that," especially after Stacey Abrams said she would it was good enough for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think you'll see the push here over the next month or so will be on getting that infrastructure done and voting rights will probably fall to second, third tier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's just my guess. Fair enough. Fair enough. We can leave it there. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> quickly before we leave, we were just going to, we hadn't spoken in a few weeks, so I thought we would yeah. touch a couple of other things. Um, uh, uh, something that's, of interest to me recently, and I don't know if you followed it at all, but Israel finally has a new government. 
mm-hmm. um, that Bibi Netanyahu is no longer prime minister, uh, as well as their best friends in the region, Iran, just had an, a, a quote-unquote election this weekend, and a hardline judge, um, I don't even know his name. A protege like, of the Ayatollah is what I heard. <laughs> That's a good sign. described. Uh, um, was elected. So cue nuclear said, weapons in three, two, one. <laughs> he's not going to speak with um, uh, Ebrahim Raisi. Um, he says he's not going to speak with, with Biden. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, um, certainly Middle East is getting interesting again. Um, Can you tell me a I little think, bit about the new government in Israel? I, I'm, I'm ignorant yeah, as hell. Sure. Ignorant as hell. So, so go ahead. So the current prime minister is Naftali Bennett, who uh, is a former defense minister. Um, he's very uh, hard, right, orthodox um, Jew, and was actually a protege of Netanyahu's himself. Uh, and he is pro- he is anti two state solution, pro settlement. Um, but he decided and looked around and decided that for the good of Israel, because that was their fourth election in less than three years, um, that for Israel to survive, they needed, or to move forward, they he needed to form a government. Um, and Netanyahu was the obstacle to that. And so he created a, a really broad coalition to include centers, cent- central, uh, very moderate um, Israelis, you know, pretty secular Israelis, kind of like Tel Aviv folks. And then and that's led by Yair Lapid. Um, and then uh, you have, you even have um, uh, Arabs, an Arab party for the first time is in the, the ruling ruling majority. So in the coalition. So um Bennett will be president for or prime minister for the first two years and then Lapid will will take it for the the next two years. Um and you know uh, my some people were asking me, well, you know, what's Bennett's pretty far right. What's to, you know, keep him from starting war and, you know, uh taking more settlements and um kind of very aggressively uh, expanding orthodox rights and and I said, well, you know, his coalition is made up, you know, he basically has one extra seat to be prime minister. And if he does anything that ticks off the center or the Arabs or any of the other parties in the coalition, then he's going to lose his his uh, chance to legislate. So it's truly um, a kind of a coalition that came together to to help move Israel forward in a way that represents kind of all of Israel um, and they can kind of move past Netanyahu was who had become kind of their as their Trump as polarizing as he was, and he's on trial for for bribe um, bribery, I think. Mm. Um, but he's on trial, and so he could very much very well end up in jail himself. Um, and I think you know one of the things is they had realized that Netanyahu had really politicized. Uh, Israel in America, and yeah. that one of the first things they did was reach out to Democrats and say, you know, we'd realized the, you know, Netanyahu famously spoke at a, a Congress against, you know, at the invitation of uh, Senator Boehner um, against Boehner. Obama's wishes. Uh, yeah, Speaker Boehner against Obama's wishes addressed the American people about the Iran nuclear deal. And that was a big, you know, big moment in yeah. the Israel-U.S. relationship. And um, I think they saw that they were losing support in the U.S. and that they needed to do something to try to stabilize it. So um, that played into it as well. And, you know, without America, I mean, I think Israel's pr- pretty self-sufficient at this point. But we got we you know they wouldn't be where they are today without America, and so yeah, they don't want to they don't want to cut off that lifeline, um, and so uh, I 
I think it's great that Netanyahu's out. Um, I actually was hoping he was would lose when I was there when they had one of their elections. He 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 barely held on, um, and you know I think the Netanyahu Trump alliance was was probably some things happened in there that probably could have been done better diplomatically. Um, and they certainly expanded their, their settlements during the last two to three year, two to three years under Netanyahu, um, which doesn't help anything. Uh, but so we'll see what happens. Uh, I think, but I definitely think it's a, a step in the right direction. Um, and the Iran thing, I think uh, the new president is making it easier for Biden, um, especially domestically, to to handle Iran. Because when you know, I think I think if Iran is willing to negotiate, there's always going to be um, people in America in politics, hawks who think you can't trust them, you shouldn't be negotiating with terrorists, yeah. uh, and, you know, for better or worse. But when the president basically says, um, we're not going to negotiate with Biden, and that just gives Biden easy cachet to go to Europe and be like, all right, sanctions back on, let's, yeah. you know, it it just makes his it makes it a lot easier to handle for them, and it makes that president's job um, more difficult. So yeah. something interesting that I'll be watching um, and we'll see if they try to like ratchet up the shenanigans in the region, but who knows? I really would love to have uh, not even a year, just like six months where the Middle East is not just a complete clusterfuck. <laughs> It'd be really nice. Well, nice I thought, I thought the, the Abram Accords were going to, thought the eight Kushner's Abram Accords were going to make it like, <laughs> you know, um, peaceful and a desert oasis for the next foreseeable future. But uh, I guess that didn't happen. There was a war uh, a month ago. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think it's nice to, I don't think, I think the Iran thing is probably bad news in the short term, especially for Iranians. Yeah. Um, you know, but in the big picture, it could it could allow some moderates in the country to gain some influence. And um, I mean, I would it, that country has so much potential and so much history, and yeah, it would just be great if they could join the modern world. But yep, um, yeah, that's uh, deep thoughts by by Howell tonight. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, You're not wrong. Yeah. So do you, we don't need to talk about COVID. No, we don't need to talk about COVID. Yeah. COVID's over, everyone. COVID's a thing. Um, yeah, there's nothing really to say. I was in Nashville this weekend and there were no, bars were packed and masks were not required. The only place they were required was, what's that? Nowhere to be found. No, no masks. Nowhere to, to be, be found. found. I mean, the airport, you still have to wear them. It's still federal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in Chicago, even, it seems like they're less and less. I don't know what you're seeing in Oak Park. It's funny because I mean, I've been going to my office. I said before we got on, I've been going to my office the last two weeks. I've only been three days in the last two weeks. But um, in the building itself, there's a mask requirement. But maybe uh-huh. maybe 50% of people are, are abiding by that. Um, and then certainly when you're in the actual individual offices, you don't. Have, you don't it's up to you if you're vaccinated. They're saying you don't have to wear them. But if you're in the building, like to the food court or, you know, whatever, they yeah. want, um, they said they want people wearing masks, but not many people are really doing it. Anymore. I mean, I mean, I think where you and I are vaccinated, I think it seems to be that the consensus or the thought is that it's still very effective against this Delta variant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, I, you know, I've been seeing a lot of uh, bands coming, uh, announcing tour dates. Yep. I'm not so sure I'd want to be packed in the metro right now with no. uh, with folks, but going Sweaty to see an outside people. outdoor concert would be nice. Although mm-hmm. at this wedding this past weekend I went to in Nashville, um, we were indoors dancing and it was like COVID never existed. You know, how many people um, were at the wedding? 
there were 200 people. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So, Good size. Wow. You know, I think, um, if, I mean, I would guess everyone was vaccinated, but mm-hmm. you never know. I'm sure there's some holdouts in there that, and maybe some people got it. I don't know, but I mean, some of your, some of your backcountry family. Yes. Well, from Appalachia. it would have been the bride brides. Actually, no, I'm, the bride went to Vanderbilt, so it wouldn't have been her family. Um, <laughs> It's a it's a a Vanderbilt bride and a Tennessee groom, so Ugh. a house divided. Gross. Yeah. So anyway, COVID's over, folks. Post pandemic, we're in it. Nice. Yeah, it's, it feels good. Um, all right. You you got anything else to discuss? No. Are you into anything? Or you want to do that? Uh, I yeah, I'm into the College World Series. Good for you. Um, Van- oh, Vandy just pulled one out like uh, last pitch or something like that. Walk off. They've had get- two walk offs in the in this round. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, they play. They last night they won on. They had two outs, nobody on in the bottom of the ninth, and we're down um, five to four. Guy walked with two outs, then pinch hit. Got hit it deep in the hole to shortstop. He tried to throw it to first. He threw it away. So then it was first and third, still down one, two outs. Next guy hit a single, drove him in. Guy went to third, and then two pitches later, threw a wild pitch, and they lost. So Stan, poor Stanford was, you know, one pitch away from going to play NC State for the the finals of the College World Series and and lost. Um, but so now it's now Vandy and NC State. And they're on one side of the bracket. And then the other oh, okay. side of the bracket is Mississippi State is waiting to play the winner of Virginia, Texas. So okay. um, I've been, my wife is like, God, how many games do they play? She's, she's like, this seems like it's been going on for months. Yeah, it's true. It is a long tournament. Um, but it's basic, college baseball is a recent, you know, I'd say I've only started watching in the last 10 years. And so, yeah. um, but it's, it's a pretty good tournament. Uh, and so to think that do. Vanderbilt owes everything to small Presbyterian Presbyterian college. who we, <laughs> who we polyaxed in the, yeah. in the, no doubt. Did you, it was like 10 to nothing in yeah. the tournament. Not surprised. But yes, we, we thank you for Tim Corbin. He must've been there when you were there. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Yep. Um, Cause I, I used to, I, I was friends with a couple of the guys on the baseball team. Um, did so Queen I actually went to, actually team? went to some of the went to some of the games because they were good. We were actually pretty good when I was there in baseball. Well, if so. you had Tim Corbin, I'm sure you were. Yeah, because yeah. so. he's been at Vanderbilt 19 years. Yep. So that would have been he was at Presbyterian before that. So right that before that, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What about uh, you? What are you into? Uh, I finally, I'm finally got into Barry. Um, mm. The Bill Hader show on HBO. I, yes. I when when season one was out and whatever that was, twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. I watched the first two episodes and then something. I don't know. I guess I started watching another show. So I finally binged it and watched, um, rewatched all of season one and then watched season two. And uh, God, that's a good show. Season two is way more funny than season really? one. Um, there's <laughs> there's an episode in season two. Um, so have you, have you seen it? No, I've, I've only, I've watched like the first two or three episodes. So there's a, the, in season one, there's a cop that's basically investigating the death of that, that guy in the acting class that, that oh, okay. Barry didn't kill, but Who the Chetchman's killed. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so in the season two, so she, she dies. I'm, I'm sorry for the spoiler, but she dies at the end of season one. Uh, Barry kills her. And, um, cause she figures it all out. Who? The girl, the the girl cop, the the female detective. Oh, okay. She gets okay. Barry kills her because she figures it all out. Um, so her partner is out for revenge, and she knows it was, and he knows it was Barry. So season two, the cop, her partner says, "I will not turn you in if you kill my the guy that my wife is sleeping with." And so Barry's like, he's like, fine. So he goes in to kill the guy who is sleeping with the cop's wife. Only to find out that that guy is a two-time like taekwondo gold medalist, and it's just the funny they fight, <laughs> and then uh, Barry ends up 
like like not killing him but basically knocking him out and then the guy's daughter shows up and she's like 12 and she's like a fucking ninja and it's it's hilarious it is a hilarious episode um but anyway well melissa's cousin will be happy to hear you say that because she was a producer on that show oh for oh wow i didn't know that yeah that's awesome Uh, but yeah yeah, it's bill Hader's fantastic in that show it's really yeah season two is is season one's very good but season two is funnier okay um well i'll have to continue with it because i was thinking about giving it up but no you should it's good to know that it keeps season two makes it worth it it's it's two seasons right two seasons so far i don't know if i don't don't know if they're making a because i'm looking forward to ted lasso coming out so yes um we we were early adopters on this podcast i think i mentioned it about uh, almost a year ago watching yeah. it and uh um now it seems like everyone has watched it and loves it so yeah, it's such a good show the, listen to out. us folks what we're into we're trendsetters <laughs> the new trailer came out last week or this past week and it was uh it didn't show a whole lot more but it was it just made me more excited to to watch it on july 23rd how about that how about on, that on apple plus all right all right man well, i'm going to go away for a couple weeks Chat when I get back. Sounds good, man. Let's go. We'll go yeah. to the. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Bros Politics. <laughs> Listen to us on where you. We're a little podcast. rusty here. A little rusty. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Bros Politics and listen to us on where you get your podcasts: Apple, Spotify, and Amazon. Right? God, I never can remember if it's Amazon or Google. Correct. Thank you. All right, man. We'll go to the casino. Peace. Peace out.